Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, can I wish you all a very uh, happy new year. Uh, Welcome to our first service of this new year of 2023, Uh, particularly if you are a visitor or a newcomer. It's great to to have you with us uh, this morning. And welcome to those also unable to be with us in the the building, but who are watching online this morning. I hope you've had an enjoyable Christmas. Um, I appreciate that for some of you that may have been a, a difficult one. But we do thank God for his grace towards us as he continues to sustain us during some some tough times. Well, we come together to to worship God, to seek his blessing on us so that we can be a blessing to others. And Psalm 67 is an appropriate psalm to read at the start of a new year as we acknowledge our need for God's grace, his his undeserved uh, blessing towards us. And as we seek to, to help to share the good news with those around us with a world that needs to hear it. So let me read the first two verses of Psalm 67 at the start of our service. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that the reason that we are still alive this morning is because of your grace. Each day, each year that you give us is a gift in which we're able to enjoy you and your many blessings towards us and which we're called to use wisely to to give you the glory. So Father, forgive us where we've taken your blessings for granted, where we've wasted the time that you have given us in idle pursuits. We pray this morning that you would give us a clearer understanding of the gospel at the start of this new year, a greater sense of your love for us, that we will be filled with the courage and conviction of the Holy Spirit to step out in greater faith in the year ahead, to share the good news of Jesus with those who do not yet know him. So be gracious to us and bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of those wonderful truths we've been singing about in those songs um, uh, are captured in our verse for the year, which is from Romans 15. It is this, it's, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says we put our trust in Jesus and not ourselves that we experience that hope that joy and that peace that comes from the Lord. We pray this year that we will experience it um, in a deeper way and that by the power of the Holy Spirit we may overflow with hope and share that with a world that increasingly feels very hopeless. So do please take away one of these cards um, as you go out, um, stick them on the fridge, put them in your Bible, um, carry them around with you and remind yourselves of those truths in the year to come. Well, we're very uh, pleased to have John Billett uh, preaching for us this morning. In case you don't know John, he's, um, he was a pastor for over 40 years in three different churches in Shrewsbury, Loughton, West Worthing. Um, he and Barbara have been with us at the church here for the last six years or so. Uh, he's also father to, um, to Ruth Wallace. Um, John, if you want to come up, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions before you come up and preach to us later on. I'd particularly like to ask John about retirement because... Um, in case you don't know, after 16 years, John has retired from his retirement job, um, if that makes sense, um, where he's been working with Wycliffe Bible Translators for the last uh, yeah, 16 years or so. Um, John, you've got a lot of wisdom in terms of how you've approached retirement and, and the things you've done through retirement. Um, tell us, um, I guess there'll be people approaching retirement here in this church who may be worried about losing that sense of identity and purpose that goes with their, their careers. Um, Was that an issue for you, and how did you approach retirement, Sam, going back a few years now? It wasn't really a big issue for two reasons. One, because when I retired at West Worthing, I was still involved in a number of other Christian organisations and activities. There were still things to do. But secondly, because your identity is not in what you do, but in who you are. I remember hearing some preacher, I can't remember his name now, to make some kind of statement on this and his answer was Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so and being conscious of the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ 
That gives us identity. Knowing him as saviour, belonging to him, gives us that kind of identity. One of my favourite hymns, I have a lot of old hymns, not quite so many modern ones, but I'm getting a few, is loved with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know. So it's what we are in Christ that matters. Life has its changes, has its seasons, you know, childhood, um, teenagehood, schools, colleges, work, marriage, all the rest of it. Changes come, but the Lord Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And I want my identity to be seen in him. Is that? Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, as you approached retirement there and you were thinking, okay, what am I going to do during retirement? And for you and Barbara, as so you prayed about it, what uh, were the priorities for you? How did you decide what to do in the end? I've got four priorities, really. The first one you've mentioned, of course, is to pray. We should pray about everything. Bring everything to God in prayer. And because what we want, still want, is God's will. I received, or I heard of a, um, a friend who received a postcard many years ago with a statement on it, God's will for my life, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And that's great, and that's, you know, what we want. Um, whether we're always true to that, I'm not sure, but that's the standard set. So that was, that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing concerned people, family commitments, to be near the family, to be involved. God puts us in families. We have family responsibilities. By the time we retired from Worthing, both sets of our parents have been called home. But because, as you know, we have a, a daughter here in Long Crendon and a son in Worthing. So we wanted to talk things over with them and to see you know, what they felt as well. So, you know, people matter. Prayer matters. A place. You need to be in the right place. Where should we live? That can be quite a challenge. We didn't feel it right to stay in Worthing, having been there for 14 and a half years in the pastorate. We didn't want to get under the toes of any new minister who might call and come. So we felt it right to move away. Ruth's up this way, and she encouraged us, and we felt it good to come. We didn't come immediately to Long Crend, unless, again, we get under their toes. We moved to Marlow, which is not far away, and... uh, we lived there for yeah, 10 years and then felt it right to move into the village. As we get a bit older and we can be a bit more helpful to them with the family and they can be helpful to us. I've told them in years to come we may need wheelchairs to push us around. But, uh, so uh, that, 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 a place is important, you know, knowing where you should be. And then the, the fourth one was a purpose. You know, in, in one sense... Christians never retire. They retire officially. I think the word retirement is mentioned once in the NIV. Uh, it may not be at all in other versions. That, that may be so. But uh, there's still something that we can do for the Lord. And we wanted to use what energies we got while we could to serve him. And we'd had a link with Wycliffe Bible Translators for many years. And... Uh, Alan Gibson was working at Wycliffe in those days too. I've known Alan a long time. He spoke about opportunities at Wycliffe. And uh, so I got involved in Wycliffe. Not, I hasten to add, as a translator or anything like that, but involved in church relations in Wycliffe. So a purpose, you know, while we have energy sufficient to do so, that, that was also important. Brilliant. As we go into this new year, how are you looking to serve the Lord in 2023? Well, I guess, if I'm honest, we are, well, we are a little bit older and a bit slower. So we don't do as much as we used to do. That doesn't really matter. We want to do what the Lord wants. We are glad to be involved here in Long Crendon and, and uh, to work in the church. We are glad to run one of the home groups. It's a privilege to do that. We're, we're the, because uh, we're a bit older, we're a, a morning home group rather than an evening one. That suits us and the folks in our group better. I'm still involved in preaching. Um, a number of smaller churches who need ministry. It's been good to go and preach in different places. I've got links with a number of churches. So, I, I, God willing, I'll carry on doing that. And one or two other little Christian interests as well that take up some time. So, we'll carry on 
carrying on while the Lord enables us to do so. Brilliant. Is that? Well, it's a wonderful privilege to have you as part of the church family, John, and we look forward to you preaching for us later on now this morning. Thanks very much. I'm going to hand over to Nigel now. He's going to lead us in our prayers before we sing again, and then Karen brings us our, our reading. We um, sit at the end of one year this morning and the beginning of another. It's often hard to know how to pray, so just thought I'd frame it around Philippians chapter 4. Um, and it's verses about not worrying and about being thankful and joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. <clears throat> Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we rejoice in you. Lord, we rejoice in your holiness. In your greatness. In your majesty. And in your kindness. Thank you that you're our Father. And as your children, Lord, we have all the privileges of being your sons. Lord, we just thank you that you've um, given us your Holy Spirit as a companion, as a friend. But to enable us with power to do your work. Lord, we thank you for all of the things that we can rejoice in you. And Lord, as we look over the last year, Lord, we give you thanks for all that you've done. We give you thanks for prayers that have been answered. Lord, for moments of joy. But Lord, also we recognize that through the last year, there have been many moments of sadness and of loss. Lord, we recognize too that at the beginning of last year, we had little idea what the world would be facing. And Lord, that could raise worry in our hearts and minds. But Lord, thank you that you've got a promise. You've promised us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, we thank you for the assurance that we have in you. Lord, as we look over the last year and even over the last day, Lord, we realize that there are many times that we've let you down. And Lord, we pray that you'd forgive us. Forgive us the things that we've neglected to do and the things that we've done that knowingly, we've done that knowingly offend you, Lord. And we say sorry. And we just take a moment to lift those before you now. And Lord, looking forward to the coming year, Lord, we're reminded of those words, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And Lord, we do that now. Lord, we look forward to the year ahead. Father, Lord, we live in a world where, that doesn't know you, Lord, that follows its own way. But Lord, we still cry out to you for our leaders the leaders of this nation, the leaders of governments around the world. And Lord, we lift to you again the situation in Ukraine and pray that you bring peace in that nation. Lord, we lift to you your work in your church around the world. Lord, through all of our mission partners. And Lord, for your persecuted church in so many countries. And Lord, we pray that this year would be a year of growth in your church, of growth in faith and in new people coming to know you. Father, we just pray for your work in our church in this village, Lord. We just pray that you would continue to build this church. And Father, Lord, that we would trust you as you do that. Father, Lord, we just pray for your work in our own lives. Lord, that through this year we would grow 
and Lord, that we would more fully reflect your glory and that our lives would bear witness to your goodness, your grace and your saving power. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we just pray for your peace, for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, equipping to do your work. Lord, we give you thanks for all that you are and all that we are in you. And Lord, we just give you praise. Amen. The reading this morning is from Romans 1, verses 1 to 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness, how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to see you. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles." I am bound both to Greeks and and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Thank you, Karen, for reading that passage to us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving heavenly Father, as we bow before you, we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit in preaching, in understanding, and in responding to you, to your precious word, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Good news for 2023. That's the title I gave for this passage this morning, at least the verse I bring to you. I was foolish enough to put that into a Google search to see what that would say. One answer was... There'll be over 15 long weekends this year. And I thought, that's okay if you're not working weekends. Another answer was, there'll be 15 stocks that will double. That's okay if you've got the right stocks and shares. And then listen to this one. There will be no more bad news. Who can believe that? And then I found this one. Good news for everyone. Ah. And it's the new name for the Gideons UK organization. 
And their job is to get the word of God out in schools, in colleges, in all sorts of places to provide New Testaments and Bibles. Perhaps you got one when you were at school. I certainly did. And what a lot's happened through the ministry of the Gideons or good news for everyone nowadays. People are receiving God's precious word. And that's where the good news is found. The best news of all. So here is my text for this morning. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I really should have had verses 16 and 17, but you might have been here a long time, or um, we might have got bogged down somewhere. We will stick with this, because it's a tremendous and challenging statement. The gospel, the good news. In the Greek New Testament, the the word is euangelion, which comes 76 times, and the verb euangelizo, which is 54 times, meaning to bring or announce good news. John Hunt, in his little commentary on Romans, I've only got the little one, he did a big one and a little one, says here Paul introduces his theme. This is what Romans is all about. Jeffrey Wilson comments, the major theme of the letter is now stated. Charles Hodge says, here is the reason why Paul was ready to preach at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And I want to say three things on those words this morning. First, to think about the challenge of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. One Sunday, the American pastor, John Piper, addressed his congregation with this verse and said, Today, we will take the gospel of God and our praises of God and go to the streets We will walk and sing and pray and shout our faith and our love to all who will listen, which will raise for many the question, am I ashamed to do this? And I just felt about the 27th of November last year now at 2.30 when a number of us went round the village here delivering invitations and seeking to share the gospel with folks in the village. How do we feel? Ashamed? Embarrassed? Apologetic? Or ready to share something of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? I preach on this text because it is a challenge to me. I thought of the words of John Bunyan when he said, I preach what I smartingly did feel. There are reasons why we might feel ashamed. Was Paul tempted to feel ashamed? Hence this statement, for I am not ashamed. Some of my commentators think so and some don't. So you can uh, read your commentaries and work that one out. After all, he was a Pharisee, a man of great intellect in his day, moving in the right kind of circles. And then to become a follower of Jesus. Were the Corinthian Christians tempted to feel ashamed when Paul addresses them in 1 Corinthians 22:23? The Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. To the Jews, it was offensive to think about their Messiah coming from a backwater. Can anything good come from Nazareth? With no fixed abode, and ending up being nailed to a wooden cross, which itself was a curse? What sign was that? Rather, a stumbling block, an embarrassment. We feel that? Or the Greeks, with all their wisdom and clever philosophies and all their high-sounding knowledge, This was foolish. Blood 
washing away sin, human sacrifices. That was foolish. Do we ever feel that? Could the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ have felt the same way? Why was it that the Lord Jesus, having told his disciples of his death, challenged them, Luke 9.26, when he said, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Jesus knew all about them and about us. At one stage in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, many went back. John 6:66. from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Notice to what Jesus said here, whoever is ashamed of me and my words. No, sometimes we don't have a problem with Jesus. It's his words we have a problem with. He said, there's only one way. No one comes to the Father but by me. That can be offensive to other people. Do we water it down? He spoke many words of the awfulness of judgment. Do we tell that as well? He challenged his disciples to forsake everything and follow him. Really? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words... What's the response we need to make? Well, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8 we read, So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. What a challenge. Some of you know I often quote old hymns, and that's part of me. And here's a hymn. I haven't heard this one sung for Decades maybe, but uh, it's always been a challenge to me. By a chap you've probably never heard of called Joseph Grigg. Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glories shine through endless days? Ashamed of Jesus, that dear friend on whom my hopes of heaven depend. No, when I blush, be this my shame, that I no more revere his name. Ashamed of Jesus? Yes, I may. When I have no sins to wash away, no tears to wipe, no joys to crave, no fears to quell, no soul to save. Till then, nor is the boasting vain, till then, I boast a saviour slain. And oh, may this my glory be, that Christ is not ashamed of me. We read in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. His name. We are called to suffer. We're not to be ashamed, but to stand for the one who loved us, died on the cross to redeem us, rose again that we might have life, ever living to intercede for us. Hebrews 12, 2 challenges us with the example of the Lord Jesus himself. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and who sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's the Lord Jesus who encourages us. Hebrews 2.11 says, Both the one who makes people holy... And those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Isn't that wonderful? Belonging to him. And he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. There's an old hymn by Isaac Watts. 
that some of you will know I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. Isaac Watts died in 1748, long time ago, isn't it? I was talking about this to our granddaughter Lydia, and she said, Granddad, those words are being sung by another group. I thought, she said, they were called rent collectors. Okay? <laughs> but I do have a hearing problem. Okay? It's a group you may have heard of, I hadn't till then, called Rend Collective, a Northern Ireland singing group. You can hear them on YouTube or whatever as they sing out. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I will boast in the cross. So it's not only old hymns, is it? But uh, modern pieces too, that um, some of the ones we've sung this morning, how challenging and stirring they are. The challenge to us, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. How do you feel? When you have an opportunity to talk to someone about the Lord Jesus. Uncomfortable. Changing the conversation. Keeping quiet. Being embarrassed. Let's be those who are confident, not in ourselves, but in the gospel. That's the challenge. The second thing I want to say from this verse is here is the content of the gospel. What is the gospel? What's it all about? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The Apostle Paul in the opening verse of Romans chapter 1 was set apart for the gospel of God. That was his ministry. That was his mission. That was his purpose. That was his activity. What is the gospel? Well, if you want a longer summary of the gospel... Someone has said it's the sum total of the saving truth as God has communicated it to lost humanity as it is revealed in the person of his son and in the holy scriptures. If you want the short version, the gospel in a nutshell sometimes is used to describe my favorite verse. I may have said this before, I, I trust that... Uh, If I'm called home before the Lord comes, it will be preached on at my funeral. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the best news this world has ever known. That's good news for 2023 and whenever. That we should rejoice in and respond to. The gospel, in a word, Jesus. Because it's all about him. Here is why the apostle, the believers at Rome, and ourselves need not be ashamed because of what the gospel is and what it does. If your Bibles are open, look for a moment at uh, the first six verses of Romans chapter 1. Here is, in a sense, a summary of the gospel. It's the theme of the whole Bible, of course. It's centered on a person. The Bible is about Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. Just just notice with me here four things. First notice, the gospel is called in, in verse 1, the gospel of God. It is his. God purposed it. God planned it. God provided it. No wonder Revelation 13 verse 8 talks about the Lamb, that's the Lord Jesus, who was slain before the creation of the world. No wonder we read in Acts 2.23, this man Jesus was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. This is what God has to say. It's his, it's the gospel that comes from, planned and purposed by the living God. It is, of course, also, verse 2, the gospel he promised. The gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. How many Old Testament prophecies do you know of that point to the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the first one that points to the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Why, surely it's Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3, when sin came in, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, disobeyed his commandment, ate the forbidden fruit, and so were under the sentence of death. As God spoke with them, he also addressed the devil himself and spoke of that redemption which is in the Lord Jesus using the words, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's the Lord Jesus conquering Satan, sin and death. And the devil striking his heel, that's the crucifixion. God promised at the beginning. It's not plan B or anything like that. It's God's eternal plan. Titus 1, 2 says, In hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. The Bible, this book, is full of great and precious promises. The Bible is the word of God. People need the word of God. Are we concerned about that? One of the great joys for me in working at Whitcliffe Bible Translators was to see and hear what was happening in terms of Bible translation. There is more Bible translation going on today than ever before. And that's great. And that should encourage you and challenge you to keep praying. Because we're not there yet. There are still, I think it's about 125 million people in this world, speaking over a thousand different languages, small people groups, their own language, and there's no word of scripture in those languages, and nothing started yet. Do we care? The good news is for the whole world. People need to hear of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we care about that? What are we doing about that? One way is to pray for the work of Bible translation, and get involved, and more. People need the word of God. The gospel he promised. It is, of course, and this is in verse 3, the gospel of his son regarding his son. It centers on Christ. Consider him, the Lord Jesus Christ, his humanity, his divinity, his incarnation, his life, his ministry, his miracles, his death on the cross, his resurrection and ascension, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's all about him. We're not going around encouraging people to follow a set of rules. We're challenging people to come to know a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to seek to love and to serve him. Because 1 John 4:14, the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Watching to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15:3, for what I received. I passed on to you as of first importance, first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The Lord Jesus, the Savior, he said, John 10, 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the heart of the gospel. We're sinners. As Jonathan Edwards' sermon put it, in the hands of an angry God, justly so. But God who loved us also sent his son. And the Lord Jesus came and died on the cross. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. How wonderful. And Jesus said, I've come that they might have life. And Jesus said, of those who come to him, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Get hold of that. In a world full of doubt and dismay and gloom and heresy and all the rest of it, remember the words of the Lord Jesus who saves and keeps those who put their trust in him. That's glorious. And the gospel calls, that's verse 6, called to belong to Jesus Christ. It says there, it's a message that brings a call, it brings a challenge. 
to us. It's a message that requires a response. Jesus said in Mark 1 verse 15, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The gospel is the best news this world has ever known. Have you heard his call? Have you turned from sin? Will you this morning call upon him who saves and keeps? I made a note of that little piece by Sally Clarkson. I heard him call. Come follow. That was all. My gold grew dim. My soul went after him. Who would not follow if they heard him call? That's the gospel. How much more I could say about that. But listen, we'd be here all day and beyond this all in this book. And we're looking up part of a verse. So thirdly, the capability of the gospel. What does the gospel do? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. My father worked first as a wood machinist in a sports equipment factory and then after many years when that closed he began to work for a a Ford main dealers in uh, South Woodford, that's East London and one of his colleagues who worked with him, a nice guy had a, a really shiny car it would have been a Ford, it was a Ford main dealers after all the sad thing was he didn't use it If the weather was bad, he wouldn't get the car out. Should it be out and it rain, out will come the cloths to wipe off all the raindrops and put the car away. How ridiculous. I guess he did, but I never saw him use it. Did it really work after all? Does the gospel work? Yes, because there's evidence all around us. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Think about the truth of that, first of all. Under three little headings. The source. It is the power of God. It's from that word. We get our word dynamite. God's power. You'll have power, says scripture, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God's power. For nothing is impossible with God. And what 2 Peter 1 3 says, His divine power has granted all things that pertain to life and godliness. The power that we need in the Word of God, because the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. It's the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to accomplish His purposes. It's the Holy Spirit in his power that stirs up hearts and lives to repent and believe the gospel. The power of God. That's the source. The salvation. The power of God that brings salvation. Here's a great word, isn't it? Salvation. What does it mean? Deliverance. Rescue. Tremendous. John Murray comments, salvation has to be understood both negatively and positively. Salvation from sin and death to righteousness and life. Grasp that. This salvation affects my past. Saved from my sin. And all that's wrong and rotten about me. It affects my present. Today as I stand before you. There's another old hymn which says Jesus saves me now. It's his ongoing work. And... It has a future dimension. We shall be saved from wrath through him. That leads us on to heaven and glory. The salvation and the secret to everyone who believes. Now listen to this. Warren Wiersbe makes the comment here. God does not ask men to behave, but to believe. Behavior follows that. You won't get to heaven by behaving. You'll never be good enough for God, however good you are. You may be the best person here in church this morning with a long list of merits and all the rest of it. It's not good enough. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what this book says to me and to you. 
Ah, but there is an answer. It's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Verse 17, the last verse of our passage, the righteous will live by faith. That's the truth. That's what God's word says. So I thought we'd have some testimonies. I looked up one or two people and uh, I want to quote them first. John Wesley, you may recognize some of the faces. John Wesley said this, I went to America to convert the Indians, but oh, who will convert me? That's John Wesley, preacher. And then he goes on, this is a year or two later, of course, in the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street in London, where someone was reading Martin Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans about a quarter before nine while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ I felt my heart strangely warmed that was a right about turn for John Wesley if you know about his life he became a great gospel preacher If you don't know about his life, well, read it sometime. And then I thought, come a bit more up to date, so I don't always live in the past. You'll you'll have heard of John Erickson Tada, who became a Christian at a youth camp when she was 15 and was sadly, badly injured in a diving accident in 1967 so that she was paralyzed from the neck down. Maybe you've read some of her work too. I read this about her. She said, I was so sick and tired of the despair and feelings of self-pity. I cried out, God, if I can't die, show me how to live. And I'm not kidding. The next morning I woke up to a different person. And if you know a bit about her, she's had a remarkable ministry over the years in, in seeking to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the little picture there of Roger Carswell, who came to Christ as a teenager when spending time on a holiday with one of his relatives. He has this program on YouTube called Real Lives. Sometimes on a Saturday night, we did last night actually, we watched the story of a man called Jason, who'd been a violent, druggy, and drunk. It was a testimony of awful shame and degradation until he called upon God and put his trust in Christ. His life is completely different. But there are millions of testimonies, aren't they like that? Maybe you could give yours this morning. That's why I put that picture on there of an eight-year-old boy, scruffy and sinful. That was me going to a children's mission in, in Grove Road Mission in South Woodford, London East 18, and hearing, I'd heard it before, hearing the gospel, hearing about Jesus, who died on the cross to save sinners. And that day, in the mercy of God, I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've often wondered where I would be today, but for coming to Christ then. He changes lives in his grace and mercy. What about you? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, listen, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Have you come to Christ? Here's my last slide. I put a question mark in our text. For I... Can you say that? I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's good news for 2023 and as long as. That's God's good news that I trust has or will change you by the grace of God that you might know and follow and love and serve the Lord Jesus and long to be with him one day when he comes again or calls us home. Let's pray.
Our gracious God, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the gospel. There's nothing like it. That glorious good news. That's the answer to everything because it transforms everything and gives an answer to everything and provides the ultimate glorious heavenly home. We thank you that while we were yet sinners, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. How wonderful. Lord, if we don't know you yet, in your mercy, help us to repent and believe. Lord, we who know you, grant us confidence, not in ourselves, but in this glorious message, in the good news about Jesus. Help us not to be ashamed, but to boldly go into this new year, living for, speaking of, pointing others to, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you want to know more about the gospel, if you're not sure where you stand, as Pastor Neil here and the elders, or if I can help, we'd be glad to talk with you, pray with you, make sure you get right with God, you trust in Christ, and seek to live for him. Say behind and pray with someone, that would be good. There's also tea and coffee I gather in the hall afterwards, go and share fellowship, it's good to talk together about these things. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for time spent together with your precious word. We thank you for that lovely and challenging verse that we've considered. We ask you to continue to work in our hearts by your spirit so that we might truly love you and live to serve you and bring glory to your name. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.